You control the guy or the woman who runs the run, run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. It's time for the Buff Show. One hundred year. Look, here's the lives. It's just. It's. A, I mean, you think about. It. And no idea what you said, Joe, but we understand the Buff Show. Deeply held by. Uh... By President, stop moving that, 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 that uh, you know, what's this thing called? That's a teleprompter, Joe. We'll take it from here. Let's go, Brandon. Go, Brandon, I agree. And here's your host, Matt Buff. Welcome to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer, Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Great to have you. Check out thebuffshow.com for shows and past interviews. And join us tomorrow night at Liam Fitzpatrick's at 6 p.m. We're doing a big fundraiser and meet and greet with Willie Montague, candidate for District 10 here in Central Florida. So come on out to Liam Fitzpatrick's tomorrow night. Myself and, and Willie Montague, great speeches, great Q&As and great interviews, great everything. You're going to love it. It's going to be a great time. And there's specials, too, for you to come on out and enjoy that with us. So don't forget that. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff on The Buff Show today. We're going to kick off Freedom Foundation segment. We usually do this on Thursday. We're doing it on Tuesday this week. We're going to talk about what happened after the Super Bowl in California, what the left is saying about this, what the unions are saying about this when it comes to kids and masks. And of course, the Canadian truckers, the unions have completely turned against these guys. And well, we have the Emperor uh, Trudeau, right? Emperor Trudeau has unleashed the Death Star on the rebellion resistance in Canada. Let's just jump up with, uh, jump into all of this with Rachel Weigel from the Freedom Foundation. She is the California Outreach Director. Rachel, great to have you on The Buff Show. Matt, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, it's definitely been a week of, of changes going on out here in California. And, you know, there's plenty to talk about when it's the unions. There's never any shortage of drama going on with the unions. No, never a shortage at all, and I'm glad to have you. I, I sent over a link before our interview here. The uh, Teamsters, um, the CUPE, um, the largest public sector union, Steelworkers of Can- uh, Canada, the Truckers Union, everybody has turned against their own workers. Now, we've seen that here in the United States, too, and they're seizing their bank accounts and they're just stopping and freezing all money donations up there, all because these people just want medical freedom. They're calling them all kinds of names. Sounds a little familiar with what we've dealt with here, right, Rachel? Absolutely. Yeah, so Teamsters in Canada came out and they denounced the trucker freedom convoy. They call it a far right. They called it terrorists. They call it, you know, all these different things. They're villainizing all of these truckers are just out there, you know, expressing their, you know, freedom, fighting for their rights. And, you know, Teamsters represents not only many truckers in Canada, but also most of the trucking industry in the United States as well. And they, Teamsters has made it very, very clear their stance. And this is just another example that we've seen where the unions and what the unions are saying is so far from what the rank and file members actually believe and what their stance is on beliefs. And it just shows how little these unions actually speak for and actually represent the people that they they claim to represent. 
Well, these truckers are holding the line up there. And in America, the polling is overwhelmingly supportive of what they're doing up there. I mean, the polling is there. People are sending money and donations and the, their own government. Uh, by the way, do you like all my Star Wars references there with the Emperor and the Death Star and the Rebellion? Oh, yeah. Well, that's exactly what it is, you know. And, you know, people are standing up. It's definitely a rebellion. It's definitely the resistance. You know, it's it's the pretty much the same as Star Wars. It's the good guys versus the the big tyrannical overlords, which is really what these unions are supporting. I mean, they're supporting these tyrannical mandates. They're supporting, you know, discrimination in the workplace. And these unions are designed to be combating that on behalf of the worker. They're the ones who were created to be that protector for workers to make sure that they weren't discriminated against for any reason. And that includes, you know, medical decisions and health regulations and things like that. And instead, this union has come and is actually really the enforcer and the enemy behind all of these mandates. And, you know, many workers we're seeing across the country in many different fields that workers are waking up and realizing that these unions are much more of an obstacle fighting against them than an ally fighting for them. If a trucker in Canada in Canada that is under the Teamsters Union calls Freedom Foundation, what could you do? Well, we can definitely direct them to a Canadian organization that can help them. We can give them, you know, resources and answer any questions they have. And of course, we can also give them our strong support. We are very much in support of the Freedom Convoy and what they're doing out there. They are, you know, fighting for their rights and speaking out on behalf of workers all across the world. So we are more than happy to talk to them. No, that's great because the Freedom Convoy is a representation of many thousands and thousands of people across Canada, across America. Then, like you said at the beginning, this isn't just about Canada. It's about America, too, when it comes to the Teamsters unions and, and those truckers in, in America. Um, what they're doing is showing a, a, a voice of solidarity. And it's not mostly peaceful, Rachel. It's all peaceful. <laughs> the whole thing has been peaceful. Uh -huh. And they keep talking about swastikas and white supremacy. Just is, is it what is the deal with the left? If they don't like something, they just call it racist. That's exactly what it is. You know, they have all their trigger words. They have, you know, racist and, you know, xenophobic or whatever they want to call things. They have, the, you know, their list of trigger words and they can throw it at anything as long as, you know, if they don't like it and turn it and spin it however they want it to be. And the truth is, you know, if you see, you talk to anyone who's been on the ground in the Freedom Convoy in Canada, or you see any real life footage of what's going on there, it is so peaceful. It's like a giant backyard barbecue. There's people making friends, there's people bonding. It's actually unifying and bringing Canadians together. It's a great unifier after two years of separation of people being isolated and in their homes and being afraid to be around other people. And this actually has created a giant unifier for the Canadian people and something that they can rally behind and come from different walks of life and be there together. And, you know, the left just needs to tear it apart as much as they can. Well, Trudeau's prime minister, or minister of defense, whatever she is, said, <laughs> she said, they're going to, they've altered the terrorism uh, rules in Canada. And they're going to charge these people as terrorists by seizing their bank accounts and freezing them out 
to end the protest. They're doing everything but beating them over the head with clubs, basically, by by trying to freeze them out. They've stood strong. They're doing well. And if it came to America, I know they'd get support here, too, at, at different events like that. It's just it's just amazing how the tyrannical government is uh, freezing them out. Their own unions are selling them out. And the president in the United States, well, whoever's pulling the string, Joe Biden is supporting all these actions with those Amer- uh, emergency powers acts. How scary is that, that Democrats in America want to play by Canadian rules? That's just, that's unacceptable. Oh, yeah. What we're seeing in Canada is, you know, a spotlight onto what could be here very, very soon. And, you know, these unions are not just selling out their members. They're actually the ones pulling the strings behind these legislatures, designing these mandates, designing these tyrannical guidelines that are forcing workers to get fired, forcing workers to choose between, you know, following these guidelines, you know, doing the things that they don't want to do or losing their livelihood, not being able to put food on the table for their family. And so these unions are really the designer. And we're seeing that with Teamsters very firmly taking a stand, very firmly being in support of these tyrannical mandates. We're also seeing it all across the board in the U.S. with the major unions. I mean, teachers is another huge example where the union says one thing and we hear from hundreds of teachers every month who feel so differently. And, you know, the teachers union in the U.S. is doing the exact same thing where they are pulling the strings behind all of these governors and state legislatures and are the ones dictating these mandates in schools, and they are not wanting to let them go. And they are politicizing this COVID mask mandate situation. And But when you talk to rank and file teachers, they all just want to get back into schools. They all just want to do what they got into that career to do, which is help children learn and grow into, you know, good educated adults. And the teachers unions are the biggest the biggest hurdle keeping them from doing that. On yesterday's show, and I know you're in California, so we have to cover this, exactly what you're just talking about right now. On yesterday's show, we said the Super Bowl is an example of why California and L.A. County should get rid of all mandates. Nobody's going to come out of there and fall down dead. 70,000 people all hugging. But I could play you, I could show you so many clips of celebrities and elected officials having fun, hugging, partying, doing all kinds of things. And I then I can show you their Twitter feed where they say, you have to wear a mask. You should be doing this. And don't be, don't be a jerk. Wear your mask. And because of the unions in California, those kids, the day after these 70,000 people got together and had a great time, those kids were socially distanced and masked up in the classrooms in the same county the very next day. Oh, Matt, those kids are not just masked. In LA County now, they're requiring double masks in most school districts. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so children are required to wear double masks. I mean, we hear stories weekly of children passing out at recess because they have to keep it on even while they're outside on the school campus. I mean, it's abusive, it's insane. The 75,000 people 
at the Super Bowl. It was an exact example. There's no reason that California should still be in a state of emergency. And there's absolutely no reason for students to still be masked. And, you know, it's all ages, even preschool kids in California are masked in schools. And we are hearing from teachers all the time. I mean, I get calls every single day of teachers who are so fed up, teachers who just want to be able to help kids and they see firsthand the struggles that children are having. There's major speech delays. There's emotional issues going on with children. There is, you know, mental development delays because children can't see faces. Children aren't speaking as much because they feel constricted from the mask. There are so many health and mental issues going on. And, you know, this is really the teachers union. This is not rank and file. You know, Randy Weingarten, the president of American Federation of Teachers, came out even just this past weekend saying that she doesn't see an end to masking kids in schools. And she basically wants us to get to zero percent COVID everywhere before she'll even consider pushing for masks to be removed from kids, which we know is impossible. We know that they're creating these things to be a never ending cycle and out here in California, we have unions organizing sick outs to get teachers. You know, we had 900 teachers in one school district call out sick, organized by the union to until their demands are met, they're not going to work, which is forcing kids to not even be able to go to school in person. Even if they're in a mask, they show up at school and these schools aren't even able to open because these teacher unions are getting teachers to stay home and close schools completely. So it's, you know, the teachers union is very obviously behind this. They are not even trying to hide the fact that they're behind all of these things. And, you know, this just like you said, the Super Bowl shows that this is all just about politics. There is no real reason for kids to be masked in California or anywhere at this point. Thank you so much for joining us on The Buff Show. Where can they contact you in California? Yeah, so freedomfoundation.com, any public sector workers who want help or want to leave their union, have questions, need resources, please come talk to us. We are more than happy to help. Freedomfoundation.com, we're a national organization, and I'm out here in California. I just tell you, it's sick and it's got to end, and you guys keep fighting the good fight on getting everyone outside uh, from out under the union. That would be great, but we got to look out, double masking the kids in California, double masking unbelievable you got your work cut out for you rachel <laughs> yeah we definitely have a lot to do in california and we're here to do it that's right well thank you so much for joining us on the show to break all this down thanks matt happy to be here okay sounds good we'll be right back on the bus show you guys stay with us Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hours every day of the week and all day Sunday. $1 off drafts and house wines. $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events. Tonight, $7.99 burger and fries. Tomorrow, live music. Liam Fitzpatrick's does catering and has a private room for your meetings, luncheons, and parties. Mention the Buff Show and get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com.
Hey, you may have heard radio show hosts talking trash on solar. Yes, even conservative talk show hosts. There was a silly comparison to trucks running 10,000 miles, carbon emissions, and panel production. It came off as like a liberal argument against a liberal problem. Shallow knowledge as opposed to experts in the field. Politics, global warming, and other environmental concerns aside, the number one reason to buy solar is simple math. Have you looked at your power bill? It has risen in the last five years. How much more will it go up in the next five years? It's a rigged game, and all solar energy empowers you to stop playing a rigged game. A solar electric system freezes your costs and shields you from upcoming rate increases. If you choose to finance a solar electric system, the payment on a system that zeroes out your bill is typically less than your current power bill. This is simple math. Call All Solar Energy in Longwood tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or online at www.allsolarenergy.com. More information on this later in the show. Welcome back to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. And we look around the world, right, and see how they responded to the China virus. We look everywhere we can because we wonder why on the monitors online that the USA has the most deaths. Well, we've got into the hospitals with you here on the show before, but now let's travel over to India and see what they are doing. With uh, with her new book coming out called A Nation to Protect, this is Priyam Gandhi Modi. Great to have you, Priyam. Thank you, thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure being on your show. I'm I'm very pleased to be talking to you about this because what we're doing here, of course, in America, is listening to Dr. Fauci and the CDC, and it seems like just one set of guidelines. But our friends in India seem to be treating things a little bit differently, not just with personal freedoms, but with uh, maybe therapeutics and other medicines that might be working for COVID-19. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Sure. Um, So India took a very firm approach in the beginning of the pandemic. So we had one of the strictest lockdowns um, in the country because we're 1.3 billion people. So we had to stop movement. We don't have great infrastructure um, in the rural parts of the country. So the government really tried to contain the virus to the urban centers where we had um, better medical facilities available. But after the three month lockdown, when things started to open up, you know, we had augmented capacities significantly and we were in a much better position to handle a surge of cases. Um, right from the beginning, um, the government has been you know, really on point and they've not been flip-flopping on um, mask mandates. I mean, it's not even a mandate. They've, you know, they've pretty, they pretty much just give it, leave it up to choice, whether you want to wear the mask, um, whether you want to get the vaccine. But you know, it's the people of the country. You know, they're following the guidelines to the T. You know, we, we're not seeing any resistance. Okay, now you're a communication specialist and a policy specialist in India. Yes. What sort of input did you have on uh, these preventions? Um, so mo- most importantly, it was 
I mean, it, it was a no-brainer that we needed to secure the country um, and we needed our own vaccines to do that. There, there, were no, um, there were no vaccine manufacturers in America or in any other country who were willing to provide the, the number of doses that India was going to need in a short period of time. So we needed to get effective vaccines, um, number one, and we needed to manufacture them um, within the country so that we could secure the people um, as soon as possible. Did you mandate in India that people take a vaccine in any capacity? Nope, there were no, um, there were no vaccine mandates. See, um, Matt, India has never, until up until this point, India has never received vaccines at the, at the same time as the developed and the rich countries. We've always, you know, we've always received vaccines a decade later, sometimes even two decades later. So we've always had to cope with pandemics and viruses and all kinds of things for much longer than the other wealthier nations. But this time around, since we have a very determined prime minister in office, we we were able to have vaccines at the same time as the rich wealthy countries that was a really big morale boost for the people of the country so the government didn't need to mandate the vaccines the people lined up to get vaccinated okay and you've worked closely with prime minister modi on the response for um not just the COVID, but just you know putting all the solutions out there Yes, to put the, the, the communicating about the solutions out there, yes. What sort of, besides vaccines, what sort of medicines have you been promoting in Israel, in, in, in India, I'm sorry, in India to um, protect people's lives? What sort of um, medicines and protocols have you been promoting? So, of course, that has changed as um, more and more developing protocols came in. And we've also had an issue with black marketing of some of the medicines where practitioners prescribe them, you know, without the government, um, you know, issuing it in their guidelines. But, um, of course, we've been, you know, very updated with the science and we're, um, you know, we've been changing up the protocol as and when you know, new scientific um, breakthroughs happen. Okay, very good. Have you guys tried like ivermectin in India? Is that something that doctors are allowed to use? At some point, yes, we did. Oh, you did already? Yes. Okay, in your book, A Nation to Protect, are you describing yeah. the process or what are you talking about in the book as far as India versus the rest of the world there on how you guys handled things? Right. So um, when, when the pandemic broke out, um, it first came into China from where it went to parts of Europe. And then India was pegged to be the next hotspot. Everyone in the world was afraid. The ex experts were afraid that if India is not able to manage the pandemic. And, and remember, we knew very little about the virus. We used to spray down things with the disinfectant. You know, even when we got <laughs> vegetables delivered, you know, to the doorstep. So, th so there was a lot of fear. And globally, there was fear that if India, the second most populated country, is not able to manage the virus, it's going to mutate and it's going to mutate into much dangerous variants and it's going to become fatal. 
for the world. So, um, so but but right from the get go, you know, we were very aware. The government was very aware that there is no way out. We have to, you know, we we have to stop the spread of the virus, and we need to do whatever it needs, you know, whatever we need to do to do it. So even if we had to go into a few months of total lockdown and completely shut shut down our economy. We did that. And we also built it back. I mean, India is now the largest, the, the fastest, you know, and the largest um, big economy in the world, the fastest growing large economy in the world. So, you know, so we made the right choices even after we started to open up. Um, you know, we, we focused on domestic manufacturing um, and to become self-reliant versus relying on imports, which obviously got very um, affected. The supply chains got very affected due to the pandemic. So, so the Prime Minister has made some very um, important decisions which have worked in, in, in the favor of the country. So you're very pleased with how Prime Minister Modi handled everything. Absolutely, absolutely. If there was, I mean, we couldn't even think of if there was another leader in office who wasn't as determined and who wasn't as um, strong-headed as he is, um, we wouldn't be in, in, a, in a very nice place today. Let me ask about your students, because we're talking about, a, like you said, the very large population of India is all the kids in school, all the kids uh, doing fine in school? I mean, the schools have opened up now since um, since our vaccination rate is really high. So um, we have over 90% of our adults who are fully vaccinated. And we have about 80% who are um, vaccinated with, I'm sorry, over 90% who have one dose and over 80% fully vaccinated people. So that's a very, very high uh, vaccination rate. And we've been able to um, break you know, the chain because of that and because of which the schools have started to open up um, and kids have now started going to school. What did you do that the United States did differently in India? What do you think was the difference? So I think the United States went back and forth on a bunch of things. Um, you know, and they, and they really forced the people. They mandate they mandated masks. They mandated vaccines. They're mandating maybe even boosters. I think you know. Um, so, I I think the difference is when you uh, make people part of your ecosystem, and this depends on your on the leadership. If the leadership is able to uh, convince the people of the country that we're all part of this. And if one person loses, we all lose. Um, I think that's, that's what worked in India's favor. The prime minister spoke to the people of the country directly so many times on televised national addresses. And, and, and he, he's been explaining the science. He doesn't treat the people um, he, you know, he doesn't assume that the people of the country are less intelligent. He offers the science, you know, he, he, he guides the people that look, this is what the scientists are saying. This is what the ex experts are saying. You know, we should do this, you know, or we might not be able to control the spread of the virus. And I think people just sort of trusted him and rallied behind him.
Wow, that's amazing. So without any mandates, without anything being forced on anyone, and without yeah. uh, disparaging a segment of your population, you guys yes. got through it together in the second largest uh, population. It sounds like from your window that cars are going by and horns are honking and everything's going fine. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. I want everyone to check out the book, A Nation to Protect. It's always good to hear somebody from another country and see how they're doing. So a nation to protect. Priyam Gandhi Modi, thank you so much for joining us on The Buff Show. We're going to post the links out there. And thank you so sure. much. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day. And we'll be right back on The Buff Show. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionpluspressurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. Since 2012, Cellular Tronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair, electronics repair, and computer repair. They fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. They also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up back covers are only $120. With one super convenient location, 31 South Charles Richard Beale Boulevard in DeBerry. Or call them at 386-516-6185. Visit Cellulartronics.com. Cellulartronics. Welcome back to the Buff Show. AM 950 FM. The answer, Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Great to have you rolling along with us. We got to get into the controlling the internet. I mean, this is something the government loves to do. Big tech loves to censor you. And some state and local officials are helping them out. And we have somebody on the show to talk about this exactly and what they're doing to prevent this kind of thing. Steve Del Bianco is on with us. He's president and CEO for NetChoice. Steve, welcome to the Buff Show. Hey, great to be here, Matt. Thank you. All right. Tell everybody about what you guys do at NetChoice real quick for our users that might not be familiar with you. Hey, Matt, I'm a former tech entrepreneur, and now I run this trade association for America's leading tech companies, all the big tech companies that... Uh, conservatives are angry at right now. And uh, our mission is to make the internet safe for free enterprise and free expression, which is a lot harder than you think right now. Oh, I, I believe it's very difficult to do. We're forced to uh, go to other platforms like a getter or a free space and things like that and rumble like you and I were talking about before the show, just because of the shadow banning, the blocking and everything that happens. We're trying to reach an audience just like everybody you talk to and they make it hard and they have the protections from the federal government. So, Steve, what, what can you do about like uh, the protections they have from just the federal level? Yeah, that all of us have a protection that our framers put in the Constitution. They called it the First Amendment. The First, yeah. Amendment says, First Amendment says Congress shall make no law to impair your freedom of expression. That means Congress shall make no law to impair your freedom of expression. But you can do whatever you want, Matt. You can throw people off your show if you don't like what they say or what they're wearing. 
the private sector is allowed to say whatever they want. They can throw people out if they don't want them on their program or their platform or their newspaper. So the First Amendment is not some right we carry around to say whatever we want. The First Amendment says the government can't force us to say things we don't want to say, and the government can't force you to take down content that you want to keep up. No, they they absolutely can when it comes to social media, when they can dictate the rules and things like that. They say they can do that, but when it becomes a public square, Steve, that's where we have an issue. It's a public square where you're being hypocritical for your own rules by allowing certain things and not others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair criticism. As a conservative, it bothers me when I see the way that uh, my members apply the rules. They don't always seem sensible. They don't always seem fair. But the truth is that if you want a public square, Matt, go ahead and create one. Ask the Florida government to create uh, publicsquare.florida.gov. They can create it tomorrow morning with off-the-shelf software, and it'll be online, and it'll be so full of free expression that I'm not sure you're going to even want to look at it. Because after all, if the government runs it, it can't do anything to restrict the free speech of Americans, because the government is restrained by the First Amendment. But you seem to have this um, slight misdirection here, because think about it. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are protected from the government by the First Amendment. The First Amendment says that neither Florida or the federal government can tell those companies what to put up and what to take down, because the First Amendment prevents that. So those companies make their own decisions, Matt. They make their decisions to suit their audience, the users, and the advertisers who pay for it all. So they're just trying to run a business, Matt, and make some money. They're not really trying to change America. Well, I'm just talking about specifically when you have Joe Biden on TV saying, hey, uh, social media, make sure you get rid of what's so-called disinformation or misinformation. Jen Psaki saying the same thing. And then the money that flows between Zuckerberg and this administration and the jobs that were created for people in Facebook. That's what I'm talking about okay. where the government's intrusion yeah, coming I'm gonna, I'm in. Gonna join you. I'm going to join you right there, Matt, because yeah. it just makes me ill when the government tries to jawbone our companies. Or it's like working the refs at the Super Bowl on Sunday when coaches on both sides are screaming at the refs to get more calls to go their way. But in fact, that is all that they can do. The government can holler at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, but they cannot force them to take anything down. They can't force them to leave anything up because those companies have the same protections that you do. You're a publisher just like they are, and they are, they are allowed to decide what is on their platform and what is not on their platform. No, I understand that completely. Just the collusion aspect bothers me. But when you let's go further into that, where government's trying to regulate what those companies are doing, uh, SB seven hundred seven two in Florida and HB twenty in Texas, um, basically empowering state governments to police and control, control speech online. Um, this does what you say violates their First Amendment rights. But these are basically conservative governors doing this. What was their objection, and how did it go wrong for you? Yeah, and I, we testified in Texas and in Florida, and as you probably know, NetChoice, my organization, sued to stop the Texas and Florida laws, and immediately we obtained an injunction from the federal court who said that Florida and Texas may not enforce those laws because they violate the First Amendment. So what do those laws do? Those laws would allow the attorneys generals of Florida and Texas to try to force Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to keep up content that was against their community standards. They tried to suggest that that people ought to be able to force those platforms to carry speech they didn't want to carry. Uh, think about it. Could, could you imagine a law that would force a, a Florida TV station or a Florida newspaper to carry Matt Buff's op-ed? Couldn't do it. 
And you couldn't even force them to tell you why they wouldn't run your op-ed. It's because newspapers, online platforms, and your radio show are protected by the First Amendment. So those laws went nowhere. But I do understand why they were enacted. Conservatives in Florida and Texas are still angry that Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube kicked Donald Trump off of uh, social media after January 6th. And this is sort of an act of punishment, an act of retribution, but it also flies the flag for President Trump and shows one's loyalty to his cause. So I get the politics of wanting to run those laws, but there's pretty smart people at the Florida governor's office and the Texas governor's office. They knew full well these laws would run headlong into the First Amendment and never see the light of day. And so you guys have an injunction against these laws, correct? That's right, Matt. And states um, are not allowed to enforce them at this point. But other states are taking a look and trying to copy aspects of that. So we're continuing to battle those in many states. And my message is simple, Matt. Those laws are terrible for conservatives. Conservatives are killing it on social media. Eight of the top 10 Facebook and nearly all the top Twitter posts are from conservatives. Prior to social media, how would a conservative share news and views with people around the country, especially in a blue state or a purple state? Look, social media is awfully good for conservatives. So we can work the refs all day long, but I don't think we really want to shut the game down. And remember this, President Trump is going to be launching Truth Social later this month or next. It's his new social media site. And I'm sure that you and I will be on there. Well, think about it. The, the laws that were enacted in Florida and Texas could be used against Trump's social media. And that means that, uh, well, lawyers funded by George Soros and Tom Steyer could sue to put liberal content back up on Trump's social media network. You just don't want government coming in and telling people on, on social media what they have to carry or what they must take down. We've got to hold firm on that principle because it would cut against us in blue states and it would cut against us once Trump's social media platform gains a certain size. No, I agree with you because we've made adjustments on the Buff Show. Like we said before the show, we're going to stream on Getter. There's things I can put on Getter now, I'm going to give you a Getter story that's going to make you agree with this. On Getter, there we, we can put our um, COVID stuff on there that we talk about with doctors and experts on the show. Now, there's some conservatives that are mad that we're on Getter because they feel like some of their free speech was blocked on Getter. So in the we're never going to make everyone happy aspect of the thing, I don't want to be on 8chan. I don't want to be a, on a site that allows... Uh, child pornography. I don't want to be on a site that allows domestic abuse stories in a good, positive way. Look, I beat up my wife. How cool is that? I don't want to be on that area. I don't want to be on that site where people are getting away with threatening physical violence against other people. So there has to be, I even agree with some of the moderation. I yeah. understand the hypoc hypocrisy of the rules uh, at Facebook, how they allow certain things that they agree with and that they don't. So we made a conscious choice, Steve. We moved our platform over to somewhere else that does allow our speech, and we kind of roll with the market that way. Yeah. I don't want the government interfering in social media on either side, and I completely agree with you guys on that aspect of it. If, if you don't think it's fair, go somewhere else. Uh, but I couldn't imagine. I couldn't agree more. Think about it. The marketplace has shown there's no barriers to entry to creating new social media sites. It takes time to accumulate the users and have them bring their friends over. But you can join multiple social media sites, depending on the audience you want to reach and depending on what you want to hear. Of those types of speech that you mentioned that you don't like, only two of them are actually unlawful in America, child pornography and threats of physical harm. But everything else 
is permitted in America. Hate speech, pornography, nudity, lies and disinformation, all is completely legal in America. So is uh, white supremacist, racist, and, and all of these things can happen on a website if it doesn't police the community standards. And they do that to make sure that your viewers are happy, that you're happy, and that the advertisers are willing to have their ads alongside that kind of content. So I agree with you. Um, private social media platforms need to be able to moderate content. But if you really want a public square that's run by the government, it wouldn't take anything at all to create one. And I would invite you to talk to politicians about that. But I think you know, as well as I do, that it would quickly turn into a, a pretty chaotic mess. At the beginning of the segment, I talked about the the collusion between the Biden administration and Facebook. That's not a that's not a situation that me personally I like. I don't like government run social media, and that's what seems like we have. You guys were started in two thousand one. This is not how what you guys started at. So you were more or less protecting e commerce and online businesses in two thousand one. This wasn't your fight back then. Exactly, social media came along with with a, an explosion. And I welcomed it. Think about it. Um, traditional media won't give conservatives the time of day, especially out up here in the Northeast where I live. But social media allowed conservatives to share news and views with people across town, across state and around the world. And uh, that changed everything. Donald Trump and his campaign people said without Facebook and Twitter, he'd never have been elected in 2016. And social media, for all of the perceptions of bias or the unfair application of community standards, Social media is the best thing that's ever happened to the conservative movement, Matt. Well, we do get our word out there in several different ways. There is just so much collusion between government and social media that makes it such a problem. Can I ask you what you mean by collusion? Because I told you both sides work the refs. When Trump was in the White House, he would holler, oh, yeah. about, he would holler about Russian hoax disinformation. And, you know, at both sides work the refs, but it doesn't mean it's collusion. He, it's he called it listening to their customers. Well, he called like for Trump, for example, when he called the magazine and tried to pay him not to run stories in New York, that's a collusion. Um, when you, really when there's money exchanged for, for a uh, way you want it to, for, for something to happen, really? that's what seems to happen so many times. I, I have not seen any money change hands, but I'm anxious to hear what news you have on that. Well, when the Facebook execs have influence and get hired into the administration and then the administration and them seem to be working on what content once allowed, that's a paid job and that's money. Interesting. So you would call that collusion. I'm going to have to look into that a little further. I would definitely call it that. Absolutely. Collusion to get a completely re, uh, result that, that fits your narrative. That's yep. what I would say. Yeah. And both sides work the refs, but it's a, it's a, it's a line that's well short of suggesting that suddenly government is controlling social media. Because remember, we've got about half the states blue states and half the states are red states. And the last thing I think you want is to see half the country where the government gets new legal powers to control social media. And that's precisely what would happen if all the blue states copied the Florida law that we blocked in court. Yeah, I don't want any part of any government uh, coordinating with social media on, on information. With the, with the COVID stuff, we saw it. The complete CDC... Guidance being just completely uh, taking over Facebook. I mean, you can't post anything without seeing that alert come up. And I think it's cost people lives, and it's a it's a real tragedy. It was. So it, started under the Trump administration. Huh? Yeah, it started under the Trump administration, Matt. The first 2020, Trump was in office, and it was his CDC that was really working the refs pretty hard on what we could say about the Wuhan lab, 
what we could say about masks and social distancing. And all of social media has been like playing ping pong, going back and forth between the new governments and different governments in the different states to try to figure out what it is they're supposed to do to aid public health and public safety. That's really what it's about is health and safety of the people that use the platform. They don't want to make people sick or have them get hurt. I'm just saying, yeah, it did. You're right. It did start under President Trump listening to the wrong people. The messaging was uh, just a mess. And it, I think it caused problems. And we see by studies and everything like that, that their early policies in 2020 actually harmed Americans more than it helped. And yes, that I am not an idiot. That did start under President Trump, and I hold him accountable for that. I'm with you, Steve. Anybody who's doing stuff like this from a government perspective to a social media uh, coordination perspective to eliminate outside speech, any side doing that, and it's happened on both, I completely, I think we agree more than we disagree on that point. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you, Matt. Steve uh, Del Bianco, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Everybody check out netchoice.org. We're going to put the uh, link out there for everybody to check it out. Research, people. The only way you get smarter is to look at other sides of everything. That's the only way to do it. Steve and I just had a civil discussion. It can be done. We'll be right back on The Buff Show. Thank you, Matt. You heard about the simple math with a solar electric system earlier in the show. Not all homes qualify. An energy evaluation by a qualified professional to get the fully informed information is always recommended. If your home qualifies, solar is always a prudent financial move. All Solar Energy in Longwood has been educating homeowners, roofing companies, property management firms, and now radio hosts about solar for 22 years. We have experts to perform no cost, no obligation energy evaluations to see if your home qualifies and explain the simple math of solar. Call All Solar Energy tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or visit the website www.allsolarenergy.com. Let them know you heard about it from me, Matt Buff, on The Buff Show. Veritas Tactical, Tactical. a family-in-law enforcement-owned company where you can get custom-built ARs with purpose-built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Sig Sauer, Smith & Wesson, and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses, and force-on-force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full-time gunsmith on site, Coating services, laser engraving and more. Mention the Buff Show and get a $25 discount on courses. You'll find Veritas Tactical at 207 North Goldenrod Road, Suite 200 in Orlando. Contact Veritas Tactical, 407-309-3000. 407-309-3000. And at VeritasTactical.com. Veritas Tactical. Welcome back to the Buff Show, heading into our final segment here, and we have a special feature of the day on our book list right here. This is the Jazz Age President Defending Warren G. Harding by Ryan S. Walters on the Buff Show. Ryan is going to be joining us right now. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you today? Doing good. Thank you. Happy Tuesday. Nobody ever says that to you on interview, do they? <laughs> well, when it's book launch day, that's a good that's a good thing. 
Yeah, that's right. It is book launch day. And everybody can check this out on all your favorite platforms. We're going to put the book on thebuffshow.com. And I, I just got it in the mail. So thank you for sending holding it, holding it up right now for everybody to see on facebook.com slash the buff show Orlando, Twitter, Twitch, and Getter. I want you to check out this book because if you looked at all the polling on popular presidents, Harding's way down the list, Ryan. Yeah, he's he's finished last in more presidential rankings than any other president in history. Um, it's kind of a running race now between him and uh, James Buchanan. It, interestingly, though, he's actually come up a few spots in recent years, but he's still considered a failed president. Um, and I don't think that's true, uh, and, and, which is the whole reason I wrote the book. He's a much better president than he's given credit for. No, I like that. We're going to dive into that. But some of the myths were like he's not intelligent and he was a man of no accomplishments and he allowed he allowed his cronies known as the Ohio gang to loot public treasury. There's a lot of things out there that are said about him that you point out in the book that simply aren't true. Yeah. So much and a lot of American history is full of myths, lies and deceptions, but Harding especially so. And there's eight myths that I tackle in the book. And you mentioned some of the major ones. Again, people say he's dumb and intellectual. Somebody said that to me on Twitter the other day. And I said, well, have you ever read his letters? Go read his letters. Uh, this is a guy that grasped the issues. It was a pretty smart man. I mean, he owned a newspaper. He he wrote editorials for the newspaper for years. He was in a, he was a Ohio's lieutenant governor, a U.S. senator. Um, he knew how politics worked. He was actually good at the game of politics. So those those things are just completely myth. And I use a lot of primary sources, which is what historians do. Yeah. Sources, <laughs> and you can refute a lot of them because a lot of it's political attacks. It's stuff that politicians said about him and historians that don't like him um, took it and ran with it for the last hundred years. Let me ask you this. Um, why did you call it the Jazz Age President? And why did you want to do a book on Harding? Well, for that reason, I wanted to refute these myths. And there have been a few a few others um, that have tackled it. I wanted to tackle it more. Uh, uh, I wanted a bigger book. I wanted to go deeper into what others have said about him. Uh, of course, he served the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. He died in office in 1923. And it's also known as the Jazz Age, kind of a fun decade for the country coming out of World War One and and the, the flu pandemic at the time and the awful events of 1919. There was a depression in 1920. And people were ready to kick up their heels and cut loose a little bit. And Harding was really a perfect president for the times. And I just wanted to show that he was a good president, that he was not this dummy. He was not this scandal-ridden president that, that didn't know what he was doing and that he was pliable and people led him around and that kind of stuff. And I want to show he actually accomplished a lot because he served 881 days in office. And when you look at his accomplishments, just look at a list of what he did. It's pretty remarkable, particularly looking at the, the state of affairs when he came into office because the country was in bad shape. Well, that's why they called it the Roaring Twenties, though, and the jazz and the music and the dancing and all that was booming during the 20s. And he was a big part of that. And the economy was booming in the 1920s. We, we, a depression hit in January of 1920, and it was pretty bad. It's called a forgotten depression. Most people don't know we had a depression in 1920. Uh, but he turned that around, and that's what led to the of the 1920s. It was the most prosperous decade in American history. 
Yeah, absolutely. Where's uh, Jimmy Carter on this list? And and are you going to do the book about Joe Biden? Are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, Carter's down at the bottom. Nixon's down at the bottom. You know, I've got LBJ down there and uh, Wilson. It depends on your worldview. I mean, if you're a liberal, you're going to like the, the current rankings. I mean, you're going to like them. If you're a conservative, you can just about take them and do this. Yeah, flip them completely around. <laughs> Some of these great presidents. Um, or, you know, FDR, Wilson. Again, if you're a liberal Democrat, if that's the way you think the country should be run, I mean, you'll be happy with them. But if you're conservative, if, you, if you're if you America first guy, you'll like Harding and, and, and hate the other. So it really depends on your worldview. And these and these history departments around the country are, are, are top heavy, 90% or more with Democrats. So you can see why the rankings are the way they are. You talk about in your book about Warren G. Harding being an American first president, and you cite specific examples. Yeah, is is if you like President Trump, you'll like Harding. Uh, Harding was Trump before Trump in a lot of ways. Um, he believed in putting America first. He gave a speech in 1920 during his campaign, and he said that he said, "I believe we ought to prosper America first. You know, take care of America first, not just in terms of foreign policy, but trade policy." So he believed a lot like Trump did. Uh, using tariffs to stop uh, foreign dumping into our markets. And uh, we just got out of this cru- Wilson's crusade in World War One, which a lot of people were happy to be out of. Didn't want to do it again. Um, he was in favor of that and, and took steps to do that. He withdrew troops from Germany. We still had troops in Germany when Hardy became president in 1921. He withdrew those troops. We had troops in the Caribbean. He withdrew, began to repair our relations with foreign nations. So um, called the Washington Disarmament Conference to begin to disarm as far, not totally, but to, to, to reduce the world's worst weapons. In those days, it was naval weapons, but they also did other things like ban poison gas and things like that. So um, his foreign policy was actually very, very successful. He's actually nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize. Most people don't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's a good tidbit. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about the womanizing thing, because JFK was revered for his relationships with women. <laughs> Nobody can hold JFK a, a light to run by. I mean, Lyndon Johnson did it. FDR had a number of uh, romances um, throughout his Yeah. Oh, but go ahead. Go ahead about Lyndon Johnson. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Harding had, we know two extramarital affairs uh, before he became president, but the, but the knock on Harding was he had these wild parties in the white house and that he had all these women and, and he brought them in and had, had fun with him in a closet off the Oval Office and that kind of thing. None of that's true. Um, I look at primary sources, people that actually worked in the White House, including the head Secret Service agent, who said no women came in the in the White House to see Harding the entire time over here. The chief usher said the same thing. The White House doorman, uh, nobody came in there. It's just stuff that that people have slung against him all these years. A lot of again, a lot of it's political attacks that his enemies said at the time, and then historians that don't like him, they just ran with it. How about how he died? Because some people said it was like poisoning. I had a, I had a colleague. I teach at Collin College in North Texas. I had a colleague that said something to me about that yesterday. And I said, there's no, there's no proof of that whatsoever. That was a rumor started by a former federal agent named Gaston Means. He wrote a book called The Strange Death of President Harding. And people said he was a con man. And there was no truth. that Even people that didn't like Harding at the time, refuted that. A lot of people thought it was terrible and really got openly hostile about any suggestion that his wife poisoned him or either he killed himself because of the scandals. Just more foolishness. No, I'll say. 
you know, I just I just picture what they're going to be writing about Trump, you know, throughout the years and other like rate. Uh, they try to do the disparage uh, even Lincoln and Washington. They they try to do that, but I really appreciate you clearing up the record here on the Jazz Age President defending Warren G. Harding. And tell everybody real quick where they can get the book again. Well, you can get it on Amazon, or they'll be available at the Barnes and Noble store. Um, probably the two best places. I have a website, ryanswalters.net. If you want to sign a copy, uh, my email address is on there. I'm a pretty open guy. You can find me anywhere. Okay, that's awesome. We'll post the links because today is the release day of the book across the country, across the world. So that's awesome. Breaking the release day on The Buff Show. Ryan S. Walters, thank you so much for joining us and breaking down the story of Harding. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Sounds great. Well, you guys have a great rest of the day. We'll see you tomorrow on the show, and we'll see you also at Liam Fitzpatrick's at 6 o'clock for... The fundraising event is going to be a fantastic time. You can be smart out there.